So what I want to now just talk about very briefly what we can learn from David's life. What can we learn from David's life? Well, the first thing is that God calls us. It doesn't matter whether we're eight years old. Anybody eight here? Good. doesn't matter whether you're eight years old, lovely, or 80. Anybody 80? Okay. Okay. 80, 80, 80 means you're just coming into your prime. What is it, the story of, of Jesus turning water into wine? It says the best wine comes at the end. And Moses was called at 80 to serve God. So it doesn't matter whether you're 8 or 80 or anywhere in between or younger, God is calling you because he's got a plan to bless you. We had a friend of the family who married my wife and I a little, uh, a little while ago, a few years ago, 40-odd plus years. And when I was called into the church, I said to him, when were you called into the church? He said, oh, when I was six years old. And I thought, well, that's impossible. How could anybody feel they were called into the church at six years old? And I said, how did you know that you were called to be a minister when I was six? He said, I used to pretend I was a bishop. And I'd walk around the, the playground at school blessing the children. <laughs> you know, it can come at any time to anyone a call to serve God. Not as a minister, but as anything that God might want us to do. So that's the first thing he calls us. The second thing is, he's got a plan for your life. And that's one of the difficult things, because we love to plan our own lives, we like to make our own choices all the time, and we forget that God had a plan for our life. How do we know it? Well, the Bible tells us. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, it says this, I know the plans, this is what God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, what was David doing when Samuel was looking for a king? He was tending sheep. He was out there. Do you know what sheep are like? Sheep are... Have we got any shepherds here, by the way? Sheep are mad. Okay, they just... I mean, that's why I went dairy farming. Sheep have a head this size and a body this size. That's why they get stuck in holes in hedges, because they think, oh, I can get through that, and then wonder why they can't. Then they have all sorts of diseases, fly strike off, stuff around the back end you don't want me to talk about, and all this stuff. What a job to have um, looking after sheep. But God had a different plan for David. And what was David doing? I gave you a clue earlier. What was David doing when his brothers were meant to be fighting at the front? What did I say he was doing? I'm just testing you, yes, to see if you're listening. He was bringing food. Do you know what food he was bringing? I can tell you he's bringing a packed lunch made out of an ephah of roasted grain, ten loaves of bread, and ten cheeses. That's not a bad packed lunch, is it? That's what the Bible says. But God had a better plan. Do you remember there was a, an Old Testament prophet called Amos? And he was happily shepherding sheep and looking after sycamore fig trees. And God met him one day and said, I'm calling you off your farm and you're going to become a prophet. Do you remember there was a man called Gideon? In the Old Testament, he was, he was a member of the, the lowest clan of all the clans. And, and when God looked down on him, him and saw a mighty man, Gideon said, oh no, I'm the least of anything. I couldn't do anything at all. And God used him to win victories for him. So the world might see us as useless or worthless 
or even ignorant sometimes, but God sees you as mighty men, as mighty women, and mighty children. And as we know, God told the prophet Samuel not to judge by outward appearances like we do in the world. This is what we're doing the whole time, isn't it? We're driven, you know. We're not meant to ever compare ourselves with anybody else. The only comparing we should do is where were we on our journey with God last year at this time? Where are we now? That's the only comparison you need to do is where are you with God? God looks at the heart, so keep your heart soft and um, God loves that. So we should never lack self-worth because the Bible says we're the apple of God's eye. I want you to imagine that you are, well, you are unique and perfect and special in the whole of God's creation. Why would you want to compare yourself to anybody else? He's made you and you're beautiful to him. And as we've learned this morning, God is always doing new things. He warns us to look out for new things that are going on, even learning new songs. And in each generation, God is doing new things. And here he was doing something new in a teenager. We're all, we're all getting so old now, we don't like to let the young come on through. I've got a passion to see young people now rise up because I believe God is rising up the next generation to, to bless him and to bless us. So for, for the older ones of you here, I want to give you a warning. Don't try and put your old armour on young people. Saul had his armour, he'd done it his way, and he was what useless, to be honest. You know. So don't, when we're looking at young people, let's have freedom in how we build them up, how we encourage them, and how we release them, and not try and confine them to the ways that we're used to. Because God is doing new things, and we're going to learn from our children. It was lovely. We had an after-school club, and we were looking at one of Jesus' miracles when he healed a beggar on a mat, uh, the man he was loaded in by his friends. And as we came out, this girl started teaching her mother about this story, about what Jesus did. And I said to her mother, have you ever heard this story? She said, no, I've never heard it. Isn't this lovely? Eleven-year-old girl is teaching her mum about Jesus. So I'm really excited about the youngsters here because God has got huge blessings he wants to pour out on you and, and us oldies at the same time. So here's another thing. Whatever you may or may not have done in life, God can use your backstory. Okay? He can use your backstory. If you've suffered, if, you've, if, if things have been tough, God can use that then to help you bless others. So what happened with David was, how did God prepare him? His father sent him out to look after sheep. What did he learn? You should hopefully pick this up. What did David learn as a shepherd to do? Anybody tell me? To care for his flock and to do what? Fight. To fight off the bear, fight off the lion, defend his flock, defend his sheep. So he was doing that. He didn't know he was going to become a king and a great warrior, but God was already preparing him. Are you with me? He had two backstories. The earthly one, the worldly one, of learning how to be a shepherd and then getting anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, I love this, the honesty of this teenager, um, he says, when a lion and a bear came, I went after them, I struck them down, I rescued the sheep, and I killed both the lion and the bear. But then he says something more important, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine Goliath. In other words, he was learning about God's strength and God's 
protection and his faith was growing in God. And so when he meets Goliath, he shouts out, you come against me. <laughs> I'm never going to forget Goliath this morning. <laughs> you, you came against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And he says, this day the Lord will hand you over to me. So what I'm trying to say is David was being prepared in a worldly way, but also in a godly way, and he was getting to know God more and more, and he knew where his strength came from, and he had faith in God's power, not in his own. And that's something the church, we've got to remind ourselves, we try to do so many things in our own power, with our own plans and our own agendas, and actually we need the Lord to be leading us and empowering what he wants to do rather than what we feel we want to do. So, to become the person God called David to be, he was appointed and anointed. David came along, and I always carry oil around, and it's used throughout the Bible. We're told to use it in the New Testament. It's a sign of healing and blessing. And the prophet Samuel came along and anointed and appointed him. It was exactly the same as happened to Jesus. Can anybody think when Jesus was anointed and appointed by God and the Holy Spirit? Ah. Okay. Baptism. At his baptism, John the Baptist baptized him. What happened? Three things happened. He was baptized in water. He didn't have to be washed clean symbolically, but he wanted to show, to demonstrate what we need to do. A voice from heaven, his father from heaven, spoke, said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Isn't that lovely? And then the spirit came down and anointed him. And it wasn't until then that he started his ministry. Even our Lord needed to be appointed by the, our father in heaven and anointed with the Holy Spirit to start his ministry. And It'd be just like God saying to you this morning, as he looks at you, you're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. You're my son in whom I'm well pleased. I've got a plan for you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come and guide you and see what plans we can explore together. And it was only after then, as I said, that Jesus was able to do his ministry. And finally, and most importantly, in all the stories we've been talking about, who gets the glory in this story? It isn't, God, it isn't David, it's God. David says this, All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into my hands. So when God calls us to do mighty things, when we're called to pray for somebody to be healed and all the things that we're going to be called to do, at the end of the day, we praise God, we thank him, and we give him the glory. Amen.